now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here breaking down week one in the NFL with my good buddy, Rich Hill. Rich, stop me if you've heard this before, but the Patriots went down to Miami and dropped a game. Uh, and just like a humiliating fashion, too. That was bad. That was a that was a bad game uh, against a team that no one even considers to really be a playoff contender. Uh, in a first year under a new head coach uh, with a quarterback that people consider generally to be a bottom 10 starter in the league, and they got wiped. In uh, like, I know the final score, 20 to 7. Uh, Alec, did it feel that close? It's tough because the defense actually looked okay. I mean, they gave up 13 points. Nobody like, the, other than that, uh, that Kyle Duggar already owned up to it, that, that fourth and seventh slant. That was just bad, a bad angle by him. He harnessed his inner Brandon Merriweather for that one. But I think otherwise the defense looked all right. But the offense just looked so, other than that first drive and the scoring drive, like it's like a 92 yard scoring drive. There are two drives all game where the offense seemed to have it kind of figured out. But they just looked inept and lackadaisical and there were some mental errors and they were sloppy. And, you know, you want to see a team build off the previous season. And while it's still early, it's only week one. This is what we do week one. We overreact to things. But I really hope the offense we see in week two against the Pittsburgh Steelers at least has some more, I don't know, energy to it, excitement, some creativity. It was just very just bleh, for lack of a better term. Totally. I completely agree. We'll go into that more in a little bit. But let's first go around the league because I feel like there were some surprising uh, results, maybe. I don't know if you would consider them surprising. Uh, I feel like the week kicked off on a, like a wild note with the, the Bills absolutely demolishing the Rams 31 to 10. Uh, Josh Allen picked up exactly where he left off last year, looking like the best quarterback in the league, asserting himself as the very clear MVP favorite. Uh, the Bills are for real folks. Um, and I think that there's no chance that any other team in the AFC East is going to catch up with them. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills cruise their way to the, the number one overall seed, just because the other divisions are going to be a much more difficult battle. Yeah, I mean, the Bills looked unstoppable on Thursday night. It wasn't even, I mean, 31 to 10 wasn't even indicative of what the final score could have been. You know, Josh Allen had a couple of picks that weren't his fault. It could have been a lot worse. Obviously, again, like I said, week one, but if you go into the house, the defending champs and just slap them around like that, that is putting the league on notice. Couldn't have picked much more dominant win for Buffalo. So good for them. I like the bills. I know I should, their AFC's rival, but I really like the bills. They're a well put together team. Bills mafia is awesome. So, Pats first, but if the Bills do really well this this year, I will not be too upset about it. I'll tell you the craziest game for me, Rich Hill, uh, Steelers-Bengals. I don't know if you saw that, but absolutely wild finish to that game. Yeah, uh, just missed field goals and just bad plays and bad calls at the end of the game. Joe Burrow just imploded uh, in that opening game, and the Steelers, like— I wouldn't necessarily they were good. Uh, they technically, I believe they, they're losing TJ Watt for an extended period of time with a pec injury. Uh, so the, the Steelers had kind of a pyrrhic victory. Um, but, you know, always nice to get that divisional win. But uh, one of a couple overtime games the, this week, and uh, the only one that didn't end in a tie. Yeah. 
we already have our first tie. Colts, Texans somehow couldn't finish a game out. AFC South going to AFC South, I guess. Uh, another fun little fact, Rich. Uh, tell me, you've heard this one before. A lot of consistency, I guess, in week one. Pats drop a game to Miami. And the uh, Atlanta Falcons blew a <laughs> double-digit fourth-quarter lead yet again. Uh, devastating. Absolutely devastating to be an Atlanta Falcons fan. They were up 26-10 to 10, uh, with 12 minutes to go. Uh, they just kicked a field goal to take that. Jameis Winston threw a pair of touchdown passes to, to Michael Thomas, and uh, they just clawed their way back. Will Lutz kicked a 51-yard field goal to win the game with 19 seconds to go. Uh, and then, you know, Falcons technically put themselves in a position to, to have a chance. They're on the, the Saints 45 yard line, uh, for a, you know, a very, very long 63 yarder, but it's indoors, so it's not impossible. Uh, but it was blocked. And so they had no chance of really doing it. Um, you got a feel for the Falcons. Cordero Patterson played his heart out. 120 yards and a touchdown on the ground, 16 yards through the air. Uh, Patterson is the player that I kind of wish the you know, Patriots had kept around and figured out this role for him because they really need that juice on offense. They really do. And I always liked Cordell Patterson during his year in New England. He was, a, again, a big play receiver that never quite figured out his fit place in the world. So good for him down in Atlanta. I wish he was somewhere that had a fourth-quarter lead they could hang on to. But <laughs> them's the breaks. Probably the biggest surprise for me, Rich, I don't know about you, but the, the Giants somehow beat the Titans 21-20. to I did not see that coming. Yeah, I mean, Brian Dable's the real deal. Uh, they were definitely semi-shorthanded uh, in the sense that their off passing offense was just not there. Uh, but, you know, Daniel Jones was relatively efficient. Saquon Barkley had a big return uh, from his injury, 164 yards and a touchdown, added 30 yards through the air. Big day for him. He carried them through it. Uh, but also, they, they got a little bit of luck there. Uh, the Titans shanked a field goal at the end. Uh, you know, 47 yarders, so very makeable. And so this is, uh, you know, Tannehill had his very standard day. The rest of the, the Titans offense is kind of like who they thought they were. Um, and honestly, I think the Titans are one of those teams that, like, they're going to win the AFC South because the South is terrible. They continue to and forever will be a terrible division. Uh, just somehow, all four teams are just bad. Um, but, like, you know, Titans are okay enough out of them they'll probably win the division with like you know 11 and 6 record 10 and 7 and uh be knocked out for wild card weekend uh, but like they have some nice pieces there but i don't think anyone ever considers them a threat to the top tier of the conference no they are they were probably the weakest one seed in the history of the nfl when they got the one seed i, I still can't believe they were the number one seed in the, in the afc pretty pretty wild the absolute polar opposite of that division ratio has got to be the afc west uh chiefs made a dominant performance chargers raiders was a good game i think you mentioned earlier in the podcast the bills are going to be in really good position because i really can't see anybody in that division dominating that division i feel like they're all going to kind of go three and three even though i don't know if you watched last night's game between the broncos and the seahawks but mm -hmm. some pretty questionable play calling some very odd clock management i really didn't figure geno smith would take out russ wilson <laughs> <laughs> but here, here we find ourselves. Maybe maybe the, the fact the Patriots lost so badly to Miami, given the context of week one as a whole and how nothing really made any sense, actually bodes well for this team. Yeah, honestly, uh, the world is upside down. Although, to be fair, like the Broncos were a uh, contender on technicality. I feel like uh, you know people were assuming that Russell Wilson would come in and have a you know, Manning renaissance kind of a thing. Uh, because there is a lot of talent on that offense, but I think they forgot that uh, 
they're kind of inept uh, coaching wise <laughs> and everything else is not great. Uh, and so th there are definite limitations to Russell Wilson's uh, kind of abilities, but also how he seems to always be utilized. I don't know, you know, what comes first? Is it the coaches limiting him or is it Wilson just in unable to do it? But like, he had some really great passes. That touchdown to Jerry Judy was beautiful, but like a lot of that was Judy carrying it to the house, 67 yards for a touchdown. Um, but like, you know, I, I feel like Russell Wilson didn't elevate this offense in the way that we would have expected. Someone actually posted on Twitter, I want to say it was like Davis Maddock, a fantasy football writer, was just like, the, the Broncos are telegraphing 100% of their plays. They, they have uh, two tight ends on it. And when, uh, I think it was like Beck, when Beck was on the field, this is actually a former Patriots guy. Uh, he spent a camp with the Patriots. When he was on the field, it was like 100% of running play. And when he came off, it was 100% of pass play. It was one of those things where it's just like, oh, the tell is so easy. So maybe they'll fix it. Maybe this is just going to be a very long year for the Broncos and they need to fire their offensive coordinator like two weeks into the season. Um, but yeah, not a good opening showing for the Broncos, especially against the Seahawks team with Geno Smith, who had the quote of the week. Uh, they, uh, I don't know if you caught that when he was doing his post-game interview where he was just like, Everyone's been writing me off, but I ain't right back. Something like that. It was just like, Geno Smith, you are the man. I'm rooting for you so hard this year. Uh, he, he passed Mike Glennon to take the lead for the class of 2013 quarterback class for most passing yards, uh, which is a statement that is wild to say. But congrats, Geno <laughs> Smith. Glad he got out of the Jets. Glad that he's having some success with the Seahawks. I hope he makes the most of it. Yeah, look at Geno Smith. Look out, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Juryman <laughs> Goat Scale. Uh, he's coming for you. No, you're still a long way to go, Geno. But it seems like the Jets are a good place for Juryman to at least get a, a jump on their career. However, Rich, let's talk about the Patriots-Dolphins. Let's get this out of the way. Uh, again, I'm not surprised that they lost. The Patriots are 2-8 and eight in their last 10 trips to Miami. I'm just surprised in just how inept they looked on offense. Again, I think they're okay on defense. Other than that, that, that fourth and seventh slant, they only gave up one third quarter uh, field, a uh, fourth, uh, second half field goal, excuse me. You know, it just, I wasn't overly upset with how the defense played overall. Mm -hmm. The offense had opportunities to score. They just couldn't get anything done. And it's not like they were fighting for yards. I thought the Devonte Parker interception, even though it was probably DPI, he didn't really seem to fight for that ball. There wasn't really any like emotion on the field. Uh, this kind of, maybe I'm, um, Hoping good things because this kind of smells like the 31 to zero Buffalo drubbing they got back in like 2003, where they've given up and they hate their coach and everyone's <laughs> miserable. But for a team with question marks on offense that looked very weak offensively in the preseason, that has a lot of confusion surrounding who offensive coordinator is, whether Matt Patricia is capable of running an offensive line, if he's capable of running an offense, if he's created enough to dial up some good plays. Not the best first outing you want to sh show to kind of instill some confidence in your fan base. Oh, totally. And, like, you'll always want to see a little bit more out of it. Devontae Parker played 100% of the snap. So he, he is the wide receiver one. That is what he's been utilized as. Jacoby Myers is now the number two, which is, like, solid. That's a good spot for him. Uh, you got to get more than two targets to Devontae Parker, especially when one of them is, like, that DPI call. Like, that that is egregious that that was missed. Um, but also, like, you gotta find other ways to pass it to him. I, I had so many issues with how the Patriots called this game, and so I don't know whether it was Matt Patricia or Mac Jones settling, uh, but they were just 
boring. I was writing to Brian Phillips on, on Twitter that this was just like a boredom by a thousand, just inefficient paper cuts. And they, they just kept chucking it down like a yard past the field, four yards behind the line of scrimmage, just continuously five or more yards shy of the first down marker every single time. And so they were just very inefficient and ineffective. And so like, yeah, I mean, technically he completed 70% of his passes, but like barely getting over 200 yards because that amazing pass to Kendrick Bourne, like where are those plays the rest of the game? Why are they not getting Kendrick Bourne involved? Getting him two snaps is absolutely, absolutely a bad look. And so, Alec, I, I think what we need to do right now is just air the dirty laundry, pretty please. Can we talk about the, in my head, four biggest things that went wrong for the Patriots? Uh, and let me know if I, I missed any of them. One of them Go. was that missed defensive pass interference on the interception. Uh, could not believe the refs didn't call that one. Parker was getting just smothered. Uh, any other... I don't even know. I, I'm just shot. There's no reason that he didn't get that call, but it was very blatant. Uh, do you think that shook Mac Jones' faith in getting the ball back to Parker, or what do you think happened as a result of that? It's tough to be. That was the first drive of the game, and they looked great. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I guess I'm less pissed about that as some people, I think. You know, it was probably DPI. They definitely should have called it, but, you know, if they're consistent, they're going to let the guys play a little more. Okay, we'll see how that shakes out. Maybe I have to revisit how pissed I am later on in the season. I figured week one especially, they're always very flag-happy in the preseason, and you figured they'd carry that into week one of the season to let everyone know they're not going to let certain things fly. But, again, maybe this is more indicative of uh, kind of the jostling for, for position in the end zone. We'll see. Even DPI aside, I just wish that Parker just, like, fought a little harder for that. It seems like he's kind of waiting for it to come into his hands and had the, the bucket position for his catching versus going up and getting it. Yeah. Which is, you're still missing that from your kind of red zone deep threat than Nikhil Harry was supposed to be. Go up, get the hands up, high point it, and bring it down in. Uh, and if it's a situation, Rich, where they're like, that, like, set the tone and they never really recover from that, that's just really poor mental toughness. I mean, that happens. I mean, bad calls happen all the time. Every team in the league has benefited from a DPI call and been screwed by a DPI call. And so you're going to let the first drive of the season dictate the rest of the, the way it goes. Uh, I hope that's not the case. I just feel like Miami just adjusted from that first drive right away, and the Patriots didn't really do anything different. And so the adjustments just killed them. Yep. No, I completely agree. And I, I think that uh, – I don't think it, like, shook – something of them to like their core or anything like that but i do think it's notable that they didn't go back to parker even though but like they kept him in so they thought he was providing something or else they would have benched him outright and so that was just like a weird decision either by mac jones i know that he was getting uh parker was getting covered uh Zavian howard did a great job out there um but then there were other opportunities for other players. And I, I think like one of the big stories of the day is Kendrick Bourne not playing. Kendrick Bourne getting two snaps. On one of those snaps, he caught up for 41 yards. Last year, he was by far and away the most efficient receiver on this team. Uh, honestly, he was a top three most efficient receiver in the entire NFL based off of snaps and targets and reception, like yards and everything like that. And so I thought he was set up for a more expanded role this year. He did not have the camp that anyone had hoped, especially Kendrick Bourne himself. And so he finds himself fourth on the depth chart behind Nelson Aguilar. But also, little Jordan Humphrey had three snaps. Uh, little Jordan Humphrey outsnapped him. So there was definitely something from the coaching decision. So this just reeks of the Malcolm Butler being benched in the Super Bowl, where it's very clear that he could have helped the team, but the coaches decided to keep him sidelined, which, you know, sometimes pans out for the long term, sometimes does not. 
But I really hope that Bourne recovers because he provides an element to this offense that they were obviously missing. The sad thing is, Rich Hill, we are never going to know what exactly went into that Bourne benching. You're going to hear Belichick say, yeah, we put the guys out there that we think did the best for the team <laughs> that week. And that's going to be it. And we have to move on from it. Yeah, I mean, obviously we can we can speculate until the cows come home. They activated a little Jordan Humphrey from the practice squad and only used him for three snaps, which is also questionable. If you figure you activate a guy from the practice squad and you don't use your Kendrick Bourne receiver, maybe you thought he'd be a better matchup because he's a little taller. I don't know. But they weren't even passing the ball that much. It's not like they were even like throwing down the sidelines. It was just a lot of stretch runs for negative yards on second down and then, like, another run on third down. I don't want to say – they definitely didn't nail it in. That's just silly to even think that they nailed it in. But just, like, it, it's – you seem that if something's not working, they pivot. They try something else. They maybe pick a tempo up, the no huddle. They kind of get a, a matchup they like, the defensive formation they like, keep them on the field by not allowing substitutions. It just seemed that, like, this is a our, – our thing about whole – talk about the way that September is just an extension of the preseason and they're still trying to figure things out and you won't really know who this team is until October into November when the games really start to ramp up towards the postseason push and maybe the Patriots are just really really taking that to heart this year and they're still just kind of playing around with stuff because there just didn't really seem to be any urgency from this team there was no kind of hurry up offense there was no situation where the defense was in a formational grouping that the Patriots liked they could take advantage of so they didn't substitute to have the defense keep on the field I just didn't see any kind of change up in pace uh you know there, there just wasn't anything you know if they even if they'd won that game if they somehow managed to squeak one out and I've been like all right they won but the Dolphins aren't that good they have a lot to work on there's much more dynamic offenses coming down the pike there's situations where they're not going to be able to kind of play like that and and win well, I, I just like to see a little more kind of passion, emotion, urgency, and just more creativity. And maybe it's the kind of thing where we're still like two games away and it's all going to magically fall into place. I'm serious when I say that it's very possible that something's going to click on this offense. But, you know, if you were one of the people who was really, really skeptical of Matt Patricia and bad-mouthing the Patriots for making no offensive coordinator designation and you have two defensive guys running your offense now, <sighs> you're probably feeling pretty smug and arrogant this week. And fair enough. Yeah, uh, I am feeling smug and arrogant, Alec. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think like there was just no creativity. There was no uh, adjustments, which I feel like was the biggest thing. You mentioned this that like it felt like the Dolphins, you know, adjusted after the Patriots for a second drive, and then the Patriots just didn't do it. And like they were making theoretically the the right calls, like they were passing on first down. Uh, but they're throwing them incomplete. So it's just like, is it poor execution or was it a poor play design? And so like, is that an issue? And so like, they're continually set up for third and long situations. I, I think uh, they had like nine third down attempts and like seven of them were third and long. And it was because they were throwing incomplete passes on first down or throwing for negative yards or Mac Jones was getting sacked. Like they were having really poor early down performances and it just didn't feel like they were adjusting. And so uh, where is the fix here? Where is the cavalry coming from? Uh, Kendrick Bourne, big answer for me. I, I, and I think that like a lot of the other players did really well. Uh, I, I think uh, Johnny Smith, was playing like the player that they had hoped he would be when they signed him for free agency, fighting for yards after the catch, was reliable out there. He did a really good job, I thought. Hunter Henry did really well early on. I would love, love to see him and also Smith get a little bit more involved closer on the, the Dolphin side of the, the field. Um, Jacoby Myers was reliable. Damien Harris and Ramondi Stevenson looked solid. It was just that like they just stalled 
They just weren't putting it all together, and I never really felt like they were threatening the Dolphins' defense by any means. They were dinking and dunking and like kind of accepting what the Dolphins were giving them, but also not. Uh, and, and like were forcing bad throws or, or just like taking really short yardage that really wasn't going to be for a first down. So a lot of it was like empty calorie yardage. And so I, I feel like a one player at least is going to have to step up. I think it'll be born. I think he'll be the, the savior for this offense and like something will click for him in the coming weeks. Uh, and then like there'll be a massive trickle down effect where all other receivers will get much more favorable matchups as a result of it. And like the offense will be fine and the defense should continue to be fine. They looked great out there. I thought, um, but I, I think it's just more of like, <laughs> I want to see more from the coaches, honestly. Yeah. No, I mean, like, yeah, you want to see kind of just them dial up. There's, there's a lot of football intelligence on that sideline. And again, I, I, they will get there. I think you're right. This is, we're being doom and gloom because that's what we do as Patriots fans. I'll also add, I just don't see any scenario where Trent Brown ever plays that poorly again. There's just no way. That was probably his worst game as a Patriot. He, he missed a couple of blitz picks up. I'm not sure what the communication was on the uh, strip sack for the touchdown the Miami Dolphins had, but they love to blitz DBs in Miami. They should be aware of that one way or another. It looked like there's miscommunication along the line. So once again with Miami, I'm not saying the Dolphins wouldn't have lost otherwise, but you can probably point to three or four plays. That strip sack, the poor Kyle Duggar read. There was the mental error of jumping off sides on fourth and short. Who knows what would have happened with that drive that kept the scoring drive alive. You know, there were these little kind of mental errors the Patriots made throughout the course of the game that two or three of them go away, which they will. Maybe a different story. You know, usually if a defense only lets up 13 points, that should be enough to, to come away with a win most of the time. So I do think the problems are fixable. It's just a matter of can they get the mentality right. And I think they can. A long season ahead. And there are some positives to take away. I agree. Oh, totally. And I, I mean, I think one big, or I don't even know if it's necessarily a positive, but one like regression opportunity is just with turnovers. I mean, that interception shouldn't have counted. Like that was glaring on my side uh, or on my part. But like the Patriots also had two fumbles and they lost both of them. The Dolphins had two fumbles and they recovered both of them. So like that was a, a four fumble swing in favor of the Dolphins. And so like the turnover margins will not be like that every single week. Uh, and, and like the Patriots will be in a better position to recover because, you know, the fumble six was brute, like backbreaking. Um, but then, yeah, as you said, fixing the tackling in that two minute defense, they have no excuse for letting Waddle score there on fourth down. My word. Yeah. Uh, that was just, just bad execution. Like at the very least, get him to the ground. Um, so that was just bad play. I think I do agree. All of that will be fixed. Um, and, and I just want to see someone kind of show up as a blue chip player that was kind of like where my head was at coming out of this game and maybe we can turn this into like where are we where's this team going in the future but i was i was left feeling like who are the blue chip players on this roster who are the players that you consider to be in the top like five ten percent of their position in the league and honestly i couldn't think of anyone on offense other than maybe damian harris that would fit that measure and then on defense I, I had Judon. That's it. I feel like Judon might be the only blue chip player on this entire starting lineup. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I might add Kyle Duggar in there. Uh, he freelanced a little bit, and again, he he took responsibility of completely his fault on the angle he took on that fourth and seven slant. But a couple of plays he blew up in the backfield. He came in unimpeded on the blitz. He's very instinctive, very athletic. Uh, I see a little bit of Jamie Collins in him, in both a good way and a bad way, in both the kind of athleticism and the the, the instinct he shows. 
but his tendency to go off script sometimes can can be detrimental. So again, I really like the combination of Adrian Phillips, who I think is going to be okay. Patriots are optimistic about his injury, so I like the combination of, of Phillips, Duggar, and Peppers in there. I think that's a really good kind of middle of the field weird kind of wrinkle you can throw at opposing offenses. Judon, 100%. He's the guy. And the interior line of the Patriots, I think, is rock solid. Godshaw, Guy, Christian Barmore. I think that's a, and Dietrich Wise, I think, pretty, pretty well as well. So I think the, the defensive line, the run defense, should be pretty solid overall. I mean, Miami only had, what, 65 yards rushing. Their leading rusher only had 25 yards uh, on 12 carries. So they can stuff the run pretty well, which is a huge problem for them last season. Uh, it's more along the lines of can they get up the field on third down? And when the defense gives the offense opportunities, which I think they did plenty of, can the offense capitalize on it? So I'm, 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 I'm all right with the defense. Uh, I'm actually pretty impressed with uh, with Jack Jones. I don't know if you you saw mm. his his that was a nice play game tape at all, but um, you know I, they had him one on one on Tyree Kill. Um, so that means they're showing some kind of or faith in him. It's more like can the offense figure it out? And if this is the kind of thing where they just have they played a dud, whatever. But We've been kind of lamenting the offense since like mid-July, and we're still in the exact same spot. So that's where all my concern is. Defense is going to be fine. Yeah, I agree. And they're like, okay, what's fixable? What's fixable on this? I imagine Brown won't be that bad. And like as you said, like the line was like fine. Like they they weren't getting destroyed. They obviously could do a little bit better. Uh, but like they were great in the run game. Uh, they could always like improve all around. But like other than it was just like you know one weak link on each play. Uh, so like I feel like they just need to have consistency play to play to play. And hopefully that'll come with reps. Obviously, like on that offensive line, they didn't really get any opportunity together during the preseason or during the offseason due to injuries and rotations and everything like that. So I hope they'll settle in. I hope that they'll figure out what uh, plays work for them in offense. I hope that, you know, the receivers will figure out their shuffle. I believe fully that this defense is going to be A-OK. I loved that, that run defense that they showed against the Dolphins here. This is like... Uh, you know, Mike McDaniels comes from the Shanahan tree, and the fact that they could not get anything going on the ground is a very positive sign. Uh, and, you know, that was one of the Patriots' biggest and most glaring weaknesses last year. So if they fix that, I feel like this defense, for somehow, uh, you know, I'll see when they play a better quarterback than Tua and their secondary really gets tested. Um, we'll see how they hold up there. But I feel like, you know, they, they showed one facet of their defense I feel good about. Um, and yeah, it's just a matter of consistency, getting more of those bigger plays on offense, like getting actual chunk yardage as opposed to just, you know, the inefficient paper cut shy of the first down marker. The more that they settle in there, the more these players define their roles. I think they'll be fine. Uh, it's just a matter of is there an alignment between the coaching staff and the talent on this roster uh, and the availability of Bourne in the lineup, as well as, you know, finding more targets for Parker uh, will answer a lot of those questions for me. We will soon find out. It's week one. They lost to Miami. No shocker there. Real shocker here is that Tua is now 4-0 against Bill Belichick, Ooh. joining only John Elway on quarterbacks to go 4-0 against Bill Belichick. Uh, Elway back when he was with the Browns. Just like I never thought of all the quarterbacks to be undefeated against Bill Belichick. It'd be freaking Tua Tagliavoa, but them's the breaks. I'm glad Miami's out of the way. Got the loss. We'll talk about Pittsburgh later in the week, Rich, but to close out the podcast, Pittsburgh didn't look great against the Bengals. They lost T.J. Watt definitely for this game coming up, not for the season, which is good for the NFL. He's just a great player, fun to watch. Early thoughts on the Pittsburgh game. Is this must-win for the Patriots, or do they still have some leeway? 
Uh, I think they have a lot of leeway. It would be super disappointing if they lost to the Steelers team, which, like, isn't a very good team. Like, fortunately, the Bengals imploded, and so, like, that's why the Steelers were able to hang. But, like, they were not good. Uh, they, they were not good at all. They, they got four interceptions, and I believe that they recovered an additional fumble. Like, they, they uh, were getting so many turnovers, and to only get 23 points out of it, including overtime— that means that this offense was, uh, if you watched it, they were they were worse than the Patriots. Um, and I, I feel like the Patriots hopefully won't have as many turnovers as the Bengals did. Uh, and so I, I think that the Patriots would be in a fine spot. Uh, the Steelers' defense could be threatening if this offense doesn't pull it all together. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that the Patriots don't have a must-win game yet. Um, but also, like, if you look at their schedule... I don't see where the wins are coming from down the road. Yeah, that's the thing for me. Obviously, starting off 0-2 isn't the end of the world. It's not what you want to do, but you need to win the games you're supposed to win, especially this season yep. with the schedule being what it is, the teams being what it is, with the AFC being what it is. You can't be in one of those scenarios the Patriots are in every year where a team comes into Foxborough or they travel to an inferior stadium and they drop one they had to win. You win the games you have to win, and then you hope to get lucky in the games. You could you could go either way, and then you don't lose the games you're supposed to lose by that much. That is the recipe for getting to the wild card because, again, until I see otherwise, this division and this conference is Buffalo's to lose by a wide margin. So it's going to be for a couple of wild card spots, and that's going to be for the Patriots. So they have to get it done against this Pittsburgh team because they can definitely beat them. Even though it's in Pittsburgh, this is a very winnable game. And it's good confidence builder going into a pretty tough one the following week against the Ravens. So they really yep. pick is one of my opinion. Totally, yeah. And they're like, yeah, after the Ravens, they're at the Packers. So if they lose to the Steelers, there's a non-zero chance that they start 0-4. Like, it's like probably better than 50% that they start 0-4 if they lose against the Steelers. And so then, like, fortunately after that, they have, like, a little bit of a more favorable stretch with Lions, Browns, Bears, Jets, Colts, bye week, and then the Jets again. Uh, but their final stretch of the year Bills, Cardinals, Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins, and Bills uh, is oh. a rough one. I also didn't even mention the the Vikings, which I believe is that uh, the Thanksgiving game. Um, so is. like they uh, they have a pretty tough stretch to close the year, and so they can't drop anything that they uh, need to win early in the year. So you know what? Maybe it is a must win game against the Steelers because if they don't win that one, then they're probably going to have a hard time breaking 500 over the course of the year. It's possible, but again, this is classic week one talk, Rich. They oh, could yeah. win the next eight in a row, and I wouldn't bat an eye. It's going to be okay. Again, this is, in my opinion, it's still we're in year two of a three-year rebuild, looking for good things, looking for positive strides forward. I'll take a mulligan because it's Miami. It's week one. It's 110 degrees. They always lose in Miami. Let's come back strong for this Sunday against Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep, absolutely. And so we will regroup on Thursday to break down the Patriots and the Steelers game. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on this beautiful, beautiful week one of the NFL season. NFL did a great job with the matchups, kind of low scoring. Uh, should be a fun season, man, so buckle up. Absolutely. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See you. Later. Later.